Uh, this morning, I'm going to be sharing about uh, the Word of God. Uh, of course, we, we normally share from the Word of God, but I'm, I'm sharing from the Word of God uh, about the Word of God. Um, and I'll just give you, uh, tell you where, how I'll do this. Um, we, we will introduce it with just two verses in the New Testament. <clears throat> And then we'll look at the rest of the time will be just one place in the Old Testament that talks over and over and over again about the Word of God. Um, but before we do that, uh, I want to uh, read you about um, the Anabaptist uh, belief about the Word of God according to the Word of God. And then, we, and then we'll sing a song uh, about the Word of God before we uh, start looking into the Scriptures. <clears throat> but um, the 18 articles of faith that you not only read in our statement of faith, but you read in, in other places where they're written out just specifically by themselves, uh, of course, these 18 articles of faith, I, I say, of course, I, I believe most of you realize that, but in case you don't, when you read the 18 articles of faith in this little green book, uh, I hope you realize these were not written by the Southeastern Mennonite Conference. Uh, these are articles that were written, uh, started to be written uh, many years ago uh, in, in statements of faith back in the 1500s back in the 1600s, and, and were looked at and re-looked at and revised and, and word changed and so forth throughout the years since that time. So you have our, our Anabaptist forefathers that wrote these, these articles of faith about where they stand, where they believe, what they believe. Uh, and so you have one of the earliest ones referred to as the Sleitheim Confession of Faith. And, and then... Uh, you have one that was written, you're, you know, revi revised or not necessarily revised much, but maybe just a few words changed and so forth. Uh, back in the, in the 1920s, there's one with a certain city identified with it in Missouri, where, where Mennonites got together, Anabaptists got together in a big conference in Missouri back in the 1920s and wrote down and, and maybe reworded uh, some of these articles of faith. And then you have a more recent one in, I believe, 1963, maybe it was, uh, where are the very words that, that many Mennonites and many Anabaptists use today, and that's, I believe, where, where the, the wording comes from our 18 articles of faith that we have printed here in this book. Um, so the very first one is about the Word of God. And so just let me read it to you. It's just a few lines long. <clears throat> The 18 Articles of Faith, Article Number 1, of the Word of God. And this is what it says. We believe in the plenary and verbal inspiration of the Bible as the Word of God. That it is authentic in its matter, authoritative in its counsels, inerrant in its original writings, and the only infallible rule of faith and practice.
The word plenary has to do with uh, <clears throat> completeness. And verbal has to do with uh, the fact that we believe that God had the writers to write it just like he wanted them to write it. He didn't just put some lofty ideas in their head and then they just kind of wrote it on their own. Well, sure, they did have write it with their hand, of course, but we believe that he had them write it exactly like he wanted them to write it. So in its completeness and in exactly the way it was written in the original writings, we believe it was by the Holy Spirit. So that's the first article of faith, uh, of the word of God and, and the seriousness and the authenticity, uh, the completeness, the authoritative manner of the word of God. Um, so let's turn in our songbooks to number 222. Number 222. We'll sing this song and then we'll sing one of from this section of the book uh, at the end of the message. Break thou the bread of life, 222. Break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me, as thou didst break the loaves beside the sea. So there it's referring to Jesus' teaching, Jesus sharing his word, the word. If Jesus shared it, it's certainly the word of God uh, beside the sea. Uh, my spirit longs for the old living word. Bless thou the truth revealed. And so as we look at the word this morning, it's the truth. Uh, that's what our forefathers believed from the 1500s. Uh, and that was said, that was stated in what I just read in that first article of faith of the word of God, the truth of it. Bless thou the truth revealed. Uh, as thou didst bless the bread by Galilee, Jesus taught the truth as he, as he stood there on the Sea of Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee in his ministry and shared. Uh, <clears throat> Notice the power of the word in the end of that second verse. Then shall all bondage cease, all fetters fall, and I shall find in thee my all in all. The power of the word of God to do that. Spirit and life are they. They're life. You'll see in the passage we look at this morning, the, the power of the word, and part of it is because it's life-giving. And it's a word that's used over and over in that passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at that depicts uh, renewal and life-giving. <clears throat> I hasten to obey, but I am weak. Thou art my only help. Thou art my life. Heeding thy holy word, if we only heed it. And the writer of this passage will look at, confess that over and over. I, I heed your word. I want to heed your word. I realize when I heed your word then I'm happy and fulfilled, and then I have peace. Heeding your word, I win the strife. Okay, let's, uh, if you'll come and lead this, please. One, tw 222.
So, as an introduction, I said we would look at just a couple of verses in the New Testament, and then after that we'll be turning to the Old Testament. But that introduction is in John chapter 8. You may turn there. John chapter 8 and just two verses. It is verses 31 and 32. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm suggesting to you that this writer in the Old Testament, in which we will be looking at, that, at a certain passage of Scripture, this was, this was him. This was his confession. This was his testimony. He knew the Word of God. And yet, you realize, and I'll maybe say this again, you realize when we turn to the Old Testament... He didn't have the, near as much as the word of God as we have this morning. And yet, he knew the word of God. He knew it was the word of God. He knew the truth of the word of God. He knew the power of the word of God. He knew the freedom that the word of God brought in his own heart and life. Do you know the freedom of peace and satisfaction in your heart and life this morning? Because you spend a lot of time with the word. The passage we look at this morning in the Old Testament. Maybe because of a comment or two already made. Some of you may have guessed it already. It's the longest section of scripture in the Old Testament. It is in the Psalms. And it is Psalm 119. I invite you to turn to Psalm 119. <clears throat> I, I confess to you this morning that I, I don't know exactly how to, to share this message, exactly the, the right procedure. And um, the more I, I've looked into it and studied it, um, you know, it's a psalm, you realize it's 176 verses long, and maybe, maybe I should be sharing it in two or three messages. Uh, the, the purpose is not to go over this at all, verse by verse, that's not at all the purpose. The purpose of this really is to kind of introduce it to you in some way, to, to, to whet your appetite with, with the uniqueness of Psalm 119, so that you go home and in the next months, uh, maybe you, you dig into it on your own. It takes some, uh, just, just, just from reading it and, and then making a list of things, you know, writing down some notes of your own. Maybe taking a couple of Bible commentaries or commentators, read from some commentators on what they have to say about the uniqueness of Psalm 119. And some of those things. So to, to kind of whet your appetite as to, to digging into this on your own, that's kind of the, 
part of the purpose, or maybe one of the main purposes of me sharing it th th this morning. But, uh, you know, maybe to share in a little more detail, it could be broken up into two or three different messages, but my plan is just to share a few things, at least for now, from, from this one message this morning. <clears throat> um, you see, if I could say this, if this would make any sense to some, this is what can happen. See, I could ask, you know, uh, some of the younger people uh, of you this morning something about Psalm 119, and you, you would say, oh, yeah, that's it, Psalm. It's really long, and nearly every verse says something about the Word of God. Nearly every verse has a word that means the Word of God, and that's certainly true. But see, when we become so familiar and answer those easy questions like that on, on a passage of scripture, we oftentimes miss some of the deeper things of that particular scripture. And that's exactly what can happen. You, you can go through this, say your personal devotions or something, and because you know that, you, you'll just read it and, and kind of naturally kind of pick out every, every, every verse, the word that means the word of God, and not think about more than that. And that would be sad. That is sad when we, when we go through the scripture that way. When, when we just let one thing pop out at us because we've known that all our life. And, and don't allow the Holy Spirit to use the sentence, the passage, the words to speak to our own personal needs right now, you know. Way beyond that, that one familiar part of it, you know. So this is a psalm. Um, I, I said it, and I said I'll probably repeat it, so I'll repeat it right now. If this psalmist, psalmist back in this day, and, and we, we won't know, we don't know exactly when it was written. When you read the introduction at the very beginning of the book of Psalms, it'll tell you that these, these scriptures, the whole book of Psalms, was written from this time to this time, a very large span of time. I suppose, I believe, larger span of time than any other book of the Old Testament. Um, but um, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that when, if, if this writer had all of this to say about the Word of God in his day, how much more should we, you and I, be able to say about the Word of God today when we have so much more of it than he had, you see? <clears throat> There's 50 psalms in which we do not know who the writer was, and this is one of them. Um, I, I think about it this way. There's the book of Hebrews where we do not know who the writer was. No one knows, who's, who, who wrote, knows who wrote Hebrews. And no one knows who wrote Psalm 119. And I've said this before about the Hebrews, and so I'll say it again this morning, or I'll say it this morning about this psalm. Hebrews has so 
so, so many deep and lofty things in it that just carry us into the heavenlies, as it were, that are so astounding that maybe God chose that we not know who wrote the book of Hebrews so that we don't overlift up the writer and, and kind of make a God out of the writer. Maybe the same is true about Psalm 119. It, it, it says so much about the word of God, all different angles about the word of God, that it, it's so full and so rich that maybe if we knew who wrote it, we, uh, it would either, it would maybe distract from the word itself, or we would lift the person up as superhuman or something, you know, I, I don't know. But anyway, we don't know who put this together. You realize, one of the things you realize, not only, you know, that it's, one of the simple things that, that we realized, and I said that at the beginning, that nearly every verse has a word that means, that parallels with the word or means the word. But as you see also, and as most of you know, um, it's broken up into 22 stanzas. Each stanza is eight verses long. Um, what I've said there about those numbers is just part of the uniqueness of the book. And you can read some commentators, if you like numbers and math and so forth, you can read some other commentators and give you more details about some of the mathematical uniquenesses of the way these verses have been put together. But <clears throat> these 22 sections, these 22 stanzas, represent the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And as most of your Bibles have, you have that word or symbol at the beginning of each eight verse section, and that is the Hebrew alphabet. And in the original writing, in the writing, in the original Hebrew writing, then all of the verses of those eight verses, all of the verses of that stanza began with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, of course, in translating it into uh, English, you know, the verses don't start with a certain word or letter, but we are told that that's how it was in the original writing in the Hebrew. <clears throat> it is um, it is believed by some that maybe this was like a, a man's diary. Not just uh, the diary of every day of his life, of course, but the d diary of like sections of his life, maybe like from 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 toward the beginning of his walk with the Lord to when he became a very old man. And and so, just like you and I today, since we live here in a few years of this life on this earth. There are similarities in our years. There are similarities, I, I mean, for me and you particularly. You know, uh, we have some normal things we do each day and each month and each year because of the time of the year or the time of the day or something. We have some normal things we always do. And yet, throughout the years of our life, we have some different things that happen over the years. 
And so you have some similarities to things that are happening that he's speaking about throughout the, the whole psalm, throughout these 22 stanzas. You have some similarities, but you have some differences that, uh, that maybe some believe that might be because of he was getting older and experiencing different things as he aged. <clears throat> the general theme uh, of these verses is, is that the scriptures are profitable in every way and meet every need in both time and eternity. Um, many verses, as you realize, just from quick, a quick glance, m most verses, you might say, are either confession or testimony of some kind. Of course, a, 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 a confession would be a, a type of testimony, but there's more types of testimony than just confession. But, but many of them are confession, that type of testimony, and then many of them are, are other types of testimony. Many are uh, the testimony of asking God for something uh, in his life, some asking God for certain needs that he had. There are many words that are repeated over and over in these 176 verses. We will look at some of them. There, are, there seems to be in, in certain stanzas, certain sections of, uh, of eight verses, a, a, a theme that breaks forth, a theme in those particular eight verses. That's, that happens from time to time. Uh, there seems to be a, a progression, which I alluded to already, but in, in some situations there seems to be a progression in the words that are used, or in a given word that is used, a progression that is, as it is used throughout the psalm, and even maybe a progression in some of the, the particular stanzas throughout the psalm. If we could just begin with the first couple of verses, and notice how, how it does begin. Uh, what a beautiful way to begin when we talk about the word of God. If you let the word do what it will do in your heart and life, what is the very first word of the psalm? It is blessed. I mean, that, that just puts a smile on my face. I hope it does in your heart. You want this psalm to do good to you? you then, then allow it to do. Allow it to do that. And you'll be blessed. That's a promise of God. So just look at the first uh, two verses. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. By the way, the word law, of course, is one of the words that's used many times in here depicting the word of God. Um, the word law here is not used really in, in most cases where it's used in, in this psalm. does not mean a, a law like, a, like the law of the land like a legal thing, you know, it's not used that way. It doesn't mean that. It means the teaching and instruction of God. That's what it simply means. The teaching and instruction of God. So if you keep that in mind whenever you see law, don't think about the legal system of the government or something. No, it's, it's not that. 
Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Blessed. I have that underlined in my Bible. I underlined it a long, long time ago. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Now, the word walk is used various times in this psalm, and that means a lifestyle. This is my lifestyle, to walking, okay? To walk in the law of the Lord. And the second verse yet, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with their whole heart. So that brings up some of these lists that I've talked about already. Lists of words, okay, and lists of thoughts. <clears throat> the word walk is used a few times, a, a lifestyle. The word keep. You know how many times keep is used? Um, the word keep or kept is used in this psalm 29 times. 29 times. When you go home and use this for your devotions or start digging into this in the future, write down some of these things. Make a list of certain words that you see keep reoccurring. Like, uh, like and we'll talk about some of these quickly, but uh, like keep and meditate and heart and delight and quicken and love and understand and teach. That's a few of the words that occur over and over and over in, in this psalm. But, so, verse 2, blessed are they that keep. Use 29 times keep. Part of the time is talking about the, the writer keeping the word, and he, he realized how blessed he is as he keeps it. And sometimes it's used about God keeping him. And then, as you see in the next part of verse 2, that seek him, seek that's a word I didn't check into, but you might want to check into the word seek. How many times seek may be used in this, in, in this psalm? I'm not sure. But I did check out the, the end of the verse. Whole heart. The word heart is used 15 times in just this psalm. Whole heart, that phrase with the word whole in front of it, I don't think I jotted it down here. I did somewhere, but not, not here. But uh, I'm not much sure. It's maybe used uh, six or eight times, the word whole, whole heart. So um, is that you this morning? Is that me? Uh, are, we, are you seeking? Does God know that you are seeking him with your heart, not just something you're doing in the physical, you know, not just flipping to the Bible, uh, once a day or once a few times a week or something and doing it in the physical but actually doing it from your heart <laughs> and not just from your heart but from your whole heart check out how many times it's used the heart and the whole heart it's, it's interesting to, to read that in this, in this psalm we'll be blessed if it's coming from our heart, not if it's just coming from our hands and our eyes as we quickly read a, a, a chapter for the day. <laughs> it's, it's a lot more than that, okay? But those that seek him with their whole heart. <clears throat> Let me... Um,
let's just talk about one word and, and show you the progression, uh, apparent progression of how it's used. And then maybe we'll look at a couple more words. I listed them already, like keep, meditate, heart, delight, quicken, love, understand, teach, okay? Let's take, take the word meditate, for instance. This one seems to have a progression as it is used, okay? So first of all, just think about the word meditate just in general. If it says meditate, what do you think it meant? Or what do you think the psalmist meant when he used the word? He writes it as meditate and sometimes meditation. Well, I would assume it's like we would use it today. It means more than just reading it. It means like stopping and thinking about it, okay? Meditating on it, you know, just taking a little time with it, okay? And letting it speak to us and we thinking about it, meditating. So let's, let's just take the progression of how it's used. So the first time it's used is in verse 15. Look at verse 15. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Okay? So how simple, I mean, that's about as simple as you can say it. He's just saying, I should do this. And, and I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to meditate. So that's pretty basic, isn't it? I, will, I know I need to do this. I should do this. I will do this. I'm going to meditate. Okay, that's what he says in verse 15. Now look at verse 23. Verse 23. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Uh-huh. Now it's like he's seeing some, some good, some help he's getting by meditating. When I run up against these evil speaking princes that are against me, it, it helped me to meditate in your word. You see the little progression there? He just, at first, I will meditate. Now I see the benefit of it in relating to these evil people. Okay? A little progression there. Look at verse 48 now. Verse 48. <clears throat> My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. That is going further yet, is it not? I mean, I, I, I say, yes, praise the Lord to your word. I lift up my hands unto your, your word, and, and I love them. And it just causes me to meditate more and more. Verse 97. Verse 97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Is that progressing from the first verse or what? It certainly, he's, he's going on in this meditation thing. Look at verse 99. Two verses later, verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. The reason I know so much about God and his word, the, the writer here is saying, the reason I know so much about God and his word is because I'm spending time meditating on it. And it's doing me good. It makes me feel good and happy and peaceful inside. Verse 148. 148. 
Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. I mean, it's so important to me that in the night, in the night when I should be either sleeping or watching, I'm up meditating on the word of God. I do it at night all the time. See the progression of his meditation from the beginning to the end there. That's wonderful. That's so interesting. Let me uh, share with you or just make this couple of comments here. Um, Four words that prove to us that this writer saw the power of the word of God. I didn't say this yet, but of course we can never divorce or separate God and Jesus from their word. I mean, the word of God and Jesus or God and Jesus and their word, what they say and what they wrote is just like this. I mean, the one does not detract from the other. The words that were given by God and spoken by Jesus totally fit together and do not detract from each other in any way. They support each other 100%. Now, and so the power that God has and Jesus has and the Holy Spirit has, their word has that power also. So let me just point out like four words that are used many times. I already talked about the word keep. It's used 29 times. Does that sound like some power? Does the word of God have power to keep you? To keep you in various ways? That sounds like power if it can keep you where you should be and keep you from the evil. So that sounds like power, does it not? Another word that's used 11 times in Psalm 119 is the word quicken. Quicken, it means to revive. It means to give life to. That's power. The psalmist here, whoever he was, realized the power of the word of God to give life to and to revive him and you and me. Another word that suggests power of the word is understanding. And so, in illustrating that one, let's just read verses 97 to 104, that little section, that eight-verse section, verses 97 to 104. Because he sees the word as powerful to give him understanding over and above other people. So let me read it, beginning at 97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies. For they are ever with me. See, he's getting to that already. He's going to tell us that he understands more than other people do. So he said it already in this way. I'm wiser than my enemies. Why? Because of the word. 
Because of my closeness to the word. Because I believe the word. And I understand the word and I know the word. And so I'm wiser than my enemies. That's just not, that's not boasting necessarily. It's just the truth of the matter. Verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For thy testimonies are my meditation. You see that, that makes a statement and gives the reason why. And oftentimes the reason why is given in, in these verses in this psalm. He'll make a statement and then tell the reason why. Or maybe sometimes the reason is first and then the statement. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Does that sound like power or what? And, and he, does he blame it on his smartness? Because he had such a smart father? Or because his mother was so intelligent? No. He blames it. That's not the, he gives credit to the word of God. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Why? Because thy testimonies are my meditation. That's why. Verse 100. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. You think there's power in obedience? Is there some blessing in obedience? This is one little line and a half that says there is. I understand more than the ancients. Why? Because I'm close to your word. Because I believe your word. Not only do I believe it up here, but I walk it. I talk it. I keep it. Verse 101, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Lest I don't say it and we don't read a passage, but he talks about more than once about how much more the word is worth to him than silver and gold. Would people believe that of you? That the word of God and obeying it and following it and loving it is, is more important to you than, than money. But he said, this psalmist says that, Verse 104, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. I read that passage because we're talking about the word understanding. That sounds like power to me. If you understand so much and, and if this writer understood so much and understood more than his enemies and understood more than his teachers, that's power. And that power came because he knew the word of God and he lived the word of God and he realized the importance of the word of God in his heart. That's power. So we've looked at the word of God expressed, the, the power of the word of God expressed in the word keep, expressed in the word quicken, expressed in the word understand. And then... I'll just mention this, we won't go there, but you could, you could the word teach, 
The word teach is used nine times in these 176 verses. It's used nine times. He's saying that the word of God is powerful. It teaches me. It teaches me. It's powerful. It can do that. Let's just think about two other words. <clears throat> that is two words that are, you might say, are similar. It's the word delight and the word love. The word delight is in this passage nine times. The word love is in this passage 11 times. So you put them together, that's 20 times that the word delight and love are in Psalm 119. What does that suggest to you about the writer? In almost every time it's talking about his affection for the word. He loves the word, he delights in the word, and oftentimes reasons are given why. Look them up for yourself. Love and delight. 20 times altogether, such affection he had for the word of God because he realized the power of it in his own heart and life. Um, there are some stanzas that are so beautiful and special. You know, you, you could probably, not probably, you could. You can pick out groups of eight verses, stanzas we call them, that are particular of interest to you, that are of particular beauty to you because of some situation you are going through in your life. Okay? So do that. Check them out and... and and when you get to a, a, a group of eight verses that just jump out at you because of your needs at the present time, uh, write them down. Copy them and stick them on your mirror or your refrigerator or something. And just look at them over and over. Um, one group that just jumped out at me, and I wrote down several, but I don't have time to, to share them this morning. But one that just... Um, well, let me just read it. It's verses 41 to 48. L let me just read it, and then uh, you decide. Uh, maybe I'll make a comment on it. Verses 41 to 48. Let, the let thy mercies come unto also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. Uh, maybe this is the one that uh, Jeremiah uh, could use as a little encouragement for him when he was called, okay? Verse 43, And take not the word of a truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. Did God say he would put the words in Jeremiah's mouth? I believe we studied that this morning, right? Okay, did, 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 did he say he would do that for Moses when Moses had trouble accepting his call? Yes, he did. Verse 44, So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Wow, that verse is so beautiful to me. <laughs> are you walking at liberty this morning? Or, or do you have things that are bothering you and, and you can't work through? Maybe a conflict with your parents or a conflict with your preacher or a conflict with the government or a conflict with your spouse? Or uh, 
Why? Because, because you would confess you're not really keeping the word 100%. Uh, you're kind of going your own way and have your own ideas rather than the ideas of God. But the writer here said, and I will walk at liberty. I will, I will be free. I can smile. I can have good relationships. I can be at liberty in my relationships, in my, in my relationship to God, in my relationship to people. I, I will walk at liberty. For I, why? For I seek thy precepts. That's why. And the precepts give me the answers to life. His word gives me the answers to life. So I will walk at liberty. Verse 46, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Uh, one of the things you can do in, in studying this passage is to write down all the places where he says something about him speaking or him, him, him saying something with his mouth. Right there is one of them. Verse 47, and I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. Did I talk about delight and love a while ago? <laughs> There's a verse where both delight and love are used in the same little verse. That's beautiful. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. And verse 48, my hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. <clears throat> There's other choice, choice stanzas. Choice, because they, they speak to me. And, and I already suggested they, they will speak to you. S certain sections of eight verses because of something that may be happening in your life. L let me just look at some choice verses quickly. And, and I'm going to take them from, the, from backwards, okay? So uh, just like five or six verses here, and then we'll stop. <clears throat> these, are, these are the verses. Starting at 167, and then we'll back up, what is it, five or six verses I jotted down here. Starting at 167. So it says this. 167. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. That, that was his testimony. Maybe near the end of his life. Is that yours? Look at 165, 165. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The word offend there means stumble. We won't stumble when we're living in the word of God. Great peace inside. Great peace, not just peace, but great peace. Have they which love thy law, and nothing shall cause them to stumble. Wonderful. Look at verse 103. 103. <clears throat> How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 97. 97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And then... In this little passage going backwards here, I went all the way back to the first two verses, which we started with. Blessed are the undefiled in the way of the Lord who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with their whole heart. That's a promise. That's a promise from God himself. The Apostle Paul said, 
talked about the sword of the Spirit. The power of the Word of God, it's like a sharp sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Those are the words from Ephesians 6, 17. And when Jesus was tempted, that temptation of Jesus by the, the devil in those three different areas of his life, how did Jesus come out on the top side, victorious? By using the Word of God, of course. Maybe some of us this morning here are not using the word of God enough. There's so much out there to read. Good Christian literature, so much of it out there to read. There's so much that you can read on that thing that some of you have in your pocket right now, that screen, where you can tap, 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 and you can read all day long and all night long, okay? I'm just wondering if that's keeping some of you from the word of God as much as you should be in the word of God. So I'm just saying there's so much out there to look at and to read to detract us from, from this. Maybe uh, if you don't use a, a, a Bible reading chart, maybe that would be helpful. You don't have to use a Bible reading chart, but for some of us that can be helpful in keeping us into the word more. There's some laying on the table in the back right there, some Bible reading charts. You don't have to make new commitments to read the Bible on January the 1st. You can make new commitments to read the Bible more today. Okay, you can. You don't have to start the first of the year. But there's some Bible reading charts back there on the table. If they can be helpful to you in reading more of the Word and spending more time with the Word, help yourself to one of them. We're going to close with uh, song number, uh, what is it, 218? If you'll come and lead 218, okay?
Let's stand to pray. <clears throat> Lord, uh, we uh, have taken challenge from the psalmist uh, uh, this morning, whoever he was. Lord, you know. That man that uh, was so close to you and appreciated the word so much. That one that wrote many years ago uh, about your word and said it in so many different ways. Uh, because your word is so full, it's so powerful, it's so big that it can be said in so many, many different ways and we can't exhaust it. Thank you for Psalm 119 and all that's there for us, all the beauty, the power, uh, the challenge that's in your word. Uh, Lord, may it be helpful to us in the day in which we live, in our own personal lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. <clears throat>